Good morning. Welcome to Elm Grove. Come on in. Well, here we are. At home. In our living rooms. With our families. With those we love. Today, wherever you are located, know that you are not alone. You are not alone. We're still connected. Today, we gather as one body. One body. One body. Because the church is not a building. It never has been. It never has been. We gather today as one church. One church. To lift up one name. The name of Jesus. 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 So wherever you are, today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to give Him thanks. So let's unite. Let's worship. Let's praise His name. For He is worthy of it today and every day. Because we are still the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. Hey, good morning, Elm Grove family and friends. We want to welcome you to Elm Grove Online this morning. What an honor to host you today. As we know, you're hosting us there at your home, whether it be through your phone or through your computer or television or tablet. Uh, we do not take this moment for granted, and we don't take it lightly. And we want to say thank you for investing this moment, this time, into the Word and into the worship of our Lord and Savior. And so today, what an exciting opportunity uh, to host you as we know you are hosting us as well. We look forward to a great day today. Today, we continue in our series, The Power of Re. Last week, we talked about that word re and how that prefix re meant to do again or to restore back to original condition, all right? And last week, we talked about the word reset and how maybe this time, this season that we're in right now, is a God-given opportunity for us to reset some things in our life. Now, we're not saying that God brought COVID-19 into our life. We don't believe that at all. But we do believe that God can take these moments and reclaim them for his purpose and for his plan in our life. And so maybe this is an opportunity to reset some things in our life, to reset uh, our relationship with our kids, to reset a relationship with our spouse, to reset the way we handle finances, to reset the way we handle our time, or maybe just to reset our relationship with God just as a whole and to start moving forward in that relationship with him. This could be an opportunity for each and every one of us to reset in some areas in our life. Now, today is week two, and today Pastor Orville is going to bring an incredible message dealing with the word refocus. So now that we've reset, we have to refocus. We got to get our eyes off what we had our eyes on before because we don't want to end up in that same rut that we were in before. And so we got to refocus. We got to get our eyes fixed on something different. And the Bible tells us very clearly what to get our eyes fixed upon. In the book of Hebrews, it says to fix, up our, fix our eyes upon Jesus. And so today we're going to be talking about that as Pastor Orville brings that message. So excited to hear what God has downloaded upon his heart for us this morning. Hey, if you're looking for an opportunity to give today, you can go to elmgrovecc.org and you can find the links there where you can give online, give through texting, or you can also find our address there if you just want to send it in the mail. And we want to pause right here and we want to say to the Elm Grove family, thank you so much 
for your kindness, your generosity, your love, and your support and your giving throughout this entire season that we've been dealing with. You guys have been fantastic in that. And so we want to say thank you so much. You are enabling us to continue to reach out to our community. There's a lot of families in our community that are hurting right now. And so we as a church, as a representation of, the, of Jesus Christ, we want to reach out to them and we want to help them uh, wherever God may uh, enable us and allow us to do so. And it's through your giving that we're able to do a lot of those things. And so thank you so much for, uh, for just being the body of Christ, to being the hands and the feet of Christ extended to our community. That's what a church is. That's what a church is all about. And Elm Grove family, you guys are fantastic at reaching out to our community. So thank you so much for all of those things in this time. Hey, we also know that there's light at the end of this tunnel. We see that we are able to return back to our houses of worship beginning next weekend, but it's going to look a little different. And so this week, be watching over the next couple of days as we're going to post uh, on our social media and on our website the game plan for coming back together. We want to walk in faith, but we also want to walk in wisdom, all right? And so we're going to walk in faith and we're going to walk in wisdom here as we return back in meeting together. And so, again, be watching our, all of our social media outlets and our website as we post the game plan for returning back um, uh, into the house of God. All right. And so looking forward to that. Now, when we return back, let me make something very clear. You're going to notice that over the last month, some of us have been quarantined with some good food. And we got some quarantine poundage going on, all right? And so you're going to look at me and you're going to say, Pastor Jared, looks like you ate well throughout this quarantine. Well, you are exactly right. I've got daughters that have been fixing cookies and cakes and pies. I've got a wife that's been cooking. And it, it, this has been incredible, right? But with that incredible blessing comes incredible bounty, all right? And so when you see that, just know. I know, I understand, and we're working on it, all right? So God bless you for that, all right? We're just looking forward to a great, great time together. Hey, before we go, we're going to turn this over to Blake and Bethany here in just a few moments as they lead us in worship. But you know, we always like to start off with something that just kind of puts a smile on your face. And uh, this past week, I came across a story about Adam and Eve and their kids. They're out in the front yard. They're just enjoying time in their front yard together. But one of their boys goes and he looks over the top of the fence and he sees this big, beautiful garden on the other side, this big, beautiful place. And we know that's the Garden of Eden. And but his son sees this and he comes back to dad and he says, dad, dad, right over there. Why have we never gone over there? That is beautiful. That is an awesome place. We need to go. And his dad said, no, no, we can't go there, son. We've got to stay out of there. And don't you ever go in there. And his son looks back at Adam and said, but dad, you don't understand. Look how awesome this is. What is that place? And Adam looked back at his boys and he said, boys, let me tell you a little secret here. That over there, that's the place where your mother ate us out of house and home. <laughs> Come on, that's good. Hey, Amen. Hey, again, glad to have you with us this morning. I know that's a dumb joke, but it made me laugh. And so welcome to Elm Grove Online. Welcome to our worship experience. We're going to have a great day today. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. 
I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. So this morning, we're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice together in our homes. We're going to rejoice together in our vehicles, wherever you might be at, there in your front yard, on your back patio. We're going to rejoice because God's got this. Amen. Let's go to Blake and Bethany right now and let's enjoy some time of worship together. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. You remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of the Son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. Good morning, Elm Grove. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Thrilled to be worshiping with you today. And we have some music prepared and we're excited to share it with you in an offering to God in worship. And um, so we'll get started with that in just a minute. Um, we are continuing on in the re phase. Um, Pastor Jared, I believe today is speaking on refocus, and uh, you might find a common theme throughout the music that's um, been chosen this morning. And uh, I, I might know something about focus and vision. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they, there is a common theme, and uh, we look forward to sharing it with you today. If you would bow your heads and say a quick blessing before we get started, God in heaven, thank you. Um, for this time and this place and this moment that you've brought us to in our week. Uh, thank you for bringing us safely here. Thank you for the blessings that you have provided with each one of us and each one of our family members. Uh, thank you for a time that we can come and, uh, and connect with you. And we pray that we would use this time of worship and this time of music um, to help our spirits connect with you. And uh, we pray that we would... Uh, be downloading into our spirit and our lives um, during the next hour. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Yeah. 
eyes of my heart, I want to see Be my vision, oh. Ruler. 
Awesome. I want to share a, a verse with you that that uh, I've studied this morning. It was very helpful for me. I am um, uh, my my spirit was uh, not in a great place yesterday, and I had a little trouble coming. We were actually supposed to record yesterday, and uh, and I didn't win the day. But uh, I woke up this morning with a renewed spirit. The Lord provided for me, and uh, and uh, we're going to see a victory. And that's what the next song is. But I was reading in Romans. This is Romans eight, um, chapter ten. And uh, it says, but, in, uh, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And then continuing on in 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And that spirit that he's been put, he has put in us can conquer all and um and whenever we look to it and acknowledge it uh it gives us this this mighty power and uh and so we're going to sing about that with this next song the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper when the darkness falls, it won't prevail Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph Yes, my God will never fail No, my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the power belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every he wages he will win I'm not backing down from any giant cause I know how this story ends sing that again cause I know how this story ends I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Sing it again. I'm gonna see a victory. 
victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil. Turn it for good. Turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. Sing that again. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. One more time. Take what the enemy meant for evil, you turn it for good, turn it for good. Cause I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord Amen Distraction Distraction is so commonplace in our world today. We lose track of our time, our passions, our calling. Embracing the mundane until what's important blurs out of view. But what if we took the time to recenter, to give precedence to what really matters, to forfeit routine in pursuit of the exceptional? What if we took the time to zone in, regroup, and focus? Welcome today to our Elm Grove Church family and to all of our listening audience. We're so blessed to have another opportunity to come into your home today and speak to you about one of the greatest things in all the world, and that's Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of our life. I want to say a great big God bless to those that have worked endless hours in all of our churches to make our, our the possibility come true of allowing our ministry to go into every home that wants to listen to your pastor on Sunday morning. It's an encouragement to have to be a pastor who has a, a surrounding group of people that will go to every extent they possibly can to help carry the word of Jesus Christ to our community. We have access to your home today by way of technology, and even though technology came into my life uh, at a later time, uh, the topic of the message this morning is refocus. And I'll never forget the day that I decided that I needed to refocus. 
when I first heard about the use of uh, uh, computers, I thought, you know, that should have came 10 years ago. It's too late in my life to, uh, to uh, learn about the, uh, the business of owning and operating a computer. And then one day, a couple of fellows from Dallas, Texas heard about me and they drove to Sealing to talk to me about a job. And it was about a supervision job. They were gonna spend uh, several million dollars on this job and they, they, they told me that it would take a computer and you'd have to be computer oriented in order to fill this job. And I immediately spoke up and I said, well, you're looking at the wrong person that uh, I have very little knowledge of, of computers. But when they told me what they would pay, I refocused. And then many times in life, we, you know, there's a, there's a streak in all of us. Well, this has came along too late in my life. But listen, with God's help, we can refocus every day. Sometimes it's our attitude. Sometimes it's our way of thinking. Sometimes it's just about taking time to love on our family and let them know that we'll never be too busy for them as we face life. And life goes on. I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Jared and Pastor Jenny and their tremendous job that they're accomplishing in this community on behalf of our kids as well as our, our, our high school students. A big thank you goes to people beyond our church family. They see the buses and the vans stop at the rock and run, go to the country and unload. And they see the work behind this. And we have many people from other churches that come to our, our Wednesday night facilities. And they said, is there any chance that you could use some help? And every time that happens, I know God is on the throne and he has his hand on what's going on. And our super desire is to see your children as well as my grandchildren grow up in a, in a community that knows what Jesus Christ means to all of us. We, and it, as we put everything we possibly can into the ministry that God opens the door for us, there's times when we have to refocus. I remember when we had two, two buses, one was stick shift and the other was, was automatic. And my competitor who drove one bus, I drove the other and always tried to get there before I did because he wanted the automatic transmission and so did I. But one day we, could, we refocused and we had buses with automatic transmissions and then we wanted air conditioning buses. But before we got to that, I had, to, I had the privilege of stop refocusing on air conditioners because my job was handed to another individual. But thank goodness for the for the ability to refocus. If you missed last Sunday's message, you need to go back and, and listen to it. It's about resetting your life. And listen, we all need to reset our life on a daily basis. And we do that through prayer and Bible reading. And God helps us to reset our life so we'll be in position to not only hear Him and be there when He needs us. A big thank you goes to all the people that help us with the responsibility of reaching this community to the Lord. We want our young people who grew up in this community and know what, what coming to the house of the Lord is all about. We want our children to hear us ask the blessing over the food before they eat on Wednesday night. And mom and dad, would you take time and teach those little children what it is to bow your head and thank the Lord for the, the food that's prepared for them. And if you'll train that child up in the way that they should go when they grow old, the Bible says they'll not depart from the way that you've taught them. We do our best to pour our heart into them, but we need your help. And, and children will listen to you, even though sometimes they act like they don't. 
And so we're laborers together. We want moms and dads to know we're doing our best. And we ask you to do your best, and most of you are, by allowing us a time with your young people. As we look at the message this morning, refocus. Many times in our life, we come to the crossroads of life, and it, it takes a few moments before we make decisions on the direction that we're going to travel. Many times it's about a job that we're employed. Many times it's about focusing on how we're going to budget our finances. Maybe it's refocusing on the fact that maybe we haven't been faithful to the house of God. Or may I, may I take one step further, maybe you've never focused on the fact that you need Jesus Christ as your best friend. Because we all have needs and we all come to the crossroads of life when we need help beyond what our neighbors and our brothers and our sisters can offer. And that's when Jesus walks into our life. He never condemns us. He always loves us and he tells us he cares for us. And, and if I could just get one point across today, if you're listening to this message and you've never taken time to refocus your life and make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you, before this message comes to a close, I want you to realize that's the most important event that can happen in your life. We're drawing this morning some scriptures found in the book of Hebrews. They're penned very carefully, especially for people like you and me. And there's days when this means more to me than it does others, but it's always a settled fact. That word always trumps my life. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Did you see what he gives us? He gives us information. He tells us how to prepare for the race that's set before us. We're to lay aside the weight. Many times the difficulties and the things that cause us our life to not be healthy. And uh, he, he, he encourages us to examine ourselves so that we can lay aside things that are unnecessary, things that block our lives, sometimes things that even divide our family or divide us from people in this community. He said, let us lay aside every way. And the sin, sin will always ensnare us. It'll always take us further we want to go. It'll keep us longer than we want to stay. And it will always cost us more than we want to pay. And he said, you're going to run, and, I, and here's how I want you to run. I want you to run to win. It's no fun just to run to beat the air, but he said, I want you to run with endurance. What does endurance mean to you? It means no matter what the weather may be, no matter what the condition may be, you're going to put your whole heart into what you're doing because you want to cross the finish line in the winning arena. And he said, let us lay aside the way. One version says the hindrances. And we all know that we have hindrances in the journey of life. The sin that ensnares us, entangles us. And there's two things that are mentioned here. As we run the race, we run to finish. The race is, that we have before us is believing and serving and trusting Jesus to the very end. Until the very end comes, we want to be out there running the race. Offering our bodies a living sacrifice, being available to our, our church family, to our pastor, to our community, to step up and be counted when there's a need that needs to be filled. Not everyone says, says I'm going to hang in. I have friends that started to race well, 
but they got entangled with the things of life and, and they dropped out of the race. And it brought sorrow to my heart knowing that the most important thing that you and I can do is stay in the race. No matter what the score looks like today, stay in the race. Keep the endurance, keep the faith, and keep the Holy Spirit alive in your life so that you can hang in there to the very end. While you're running, the writer of Hebrews encourages people to do two things. You can't run with weights. We all get weighted down with life. We all have things that break our heart. We all have things that we wish could never happen to any of us. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to allow us to process the weights of life, and we should continue to stay in in the under the heaviness of those loads that life confronts us with, not only will oppression set in, a cousin to oppression is depression, and it sets in until one day you just feel like life isn't even worth it. Nobody in the Olympics runs with carrying weights, a suitcase, a, a phone in their hand, and luggage to move on to the next job. And right after they cross the finish line, they may need to be somewhere at a certain time. They may be on a plane getting ready to go, but I can tell you, they're not going to carry the weights of life in running a race because they're there to win. Not everybody says these things, but I can tell you a lot of people in our church family this morning are carrying weights. There's troubling things happening in their marriage. There's troubling things happening in their home. And it becomes a weight. But the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay it aside. Don't try to carry the load of life. Let Jesus carry the load because he cares for you. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Cast all your care. Let him carry it for you so you can run the race and be diligent in the race that you're running. It also says, lay aside the sin. You say, well, pastor, I, I'm, I don't sin. I, 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 I've got that behind me. I don't sin. Can I say this? In Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, we've all. Say this with me. We've all sinned. Who does that leave out? Nobody. But aren't you glad there's no condemnation when we fall flat of our face? Jesus is always there to pick us up, to help us dust off our clothes so that we can keep running the race that's set before us. There's things that hinder us and then the sin comes and ensnares us or entangles us and we have to get rid of the sin. How do we do that? Not by joining the church even though that's a good thing that every Christian should do. Not being baptized in water even though bat water baptism is something I believe in. But I can tell you we have to confess with our mouth. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I, I knew the moment I did that, I transgressed. I did something that was not in line with your word. And I know if I carry that sin, it will entangle me until my trip of this race is over. The devil is trying to trip all of us, every one of us today. And the letter of Hebrew was written to Christians. This is not about the outside world. It's about you and I this morning. Satan can entangle Christians. And by way of sin, the Bible says sin is simply this. It's something that is contrary to God's word. Something we know is wrong. Something we know we shouldn't do, but we go ahead and do it. And the Bible says what whatever is not of God is sin and we need to make sure every day that our life is covered with the precious power of the Holy Spirit because God will give us strength to shun the wrong and do the right weights are things that weigh us down some of those things are legitimate things they're not sinful but they don't help us run and some of these things are things that you and I have to evaluate in our life is it a weight 
or is it a wing? I want you to think about this for a moment. Are the things you're carrying today weighting you down? Are the, are the things you've allowed to be attached to your, your body a wing? If it's a weight, get rid of it. If it's a wing, hold on to it. If there's something that hinders you, throw it away. If there's something that will help you run and cause you to walk higher and closer to the Lord, hang on to it. As a private pilot, the, the plane always takes off against the wind because when you face contrary winds, that airplane is built to fly. And listen, God intends you to have wings so that you can mount up and fly too. He doesn't want us kicking around with the chickens in the chicken house. He's got great plans for us, but we've got to recognize the principles of God will work if we will apply them to our life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 has always been a great inspiration to my life. But those who wait, what does that mean? Those who stand until the presence of the Lord wraps himself around my unworthy heart. And then he gives me the strength to raise my hands. And as I do, the power of the Holy Spirit enables me to rise up with wings as eagles. I can run and not be weary. I can walk in my faith. There are weights that can be habits. They may be pleasures. The way we spend our time. How much news do we watch? How much scroll on the social media do we spend? Things like that aren't sinful, but they can be a weight that holds us back and separates us from God's best in our life. There's different strokes for different folks, and all of us have to look at our own lives and examine our own lives. And there are ways that can be hold, maybe holding me back that doesn't bother you. And then there are things that may bother you that doesn't apply to me. That's a reason each one of us are responsible before the Lord to examine ourselves because God and you alone know your heart. And the Hebrew writer says that put those hindering things away that keeps me from advancing in my race. We also have here, there are sins that ensnare me or ensnare us in the journey. We also know we have uh, make trips that takes us the wrong direction and sin invades our life. What sins are you dealing with today? What sins are you dealing with today that you were dealing with last year? Those sins that are tripping you up, that are causing you not to have a good look on life. A, a, a sin that keeps you from being friendly. You're an unfriendly, maybe you're an unfriendly husband. You're not kind to your children. Anything like this can be something that hinders our race that we're running. If you haven't found victory over the sins, the enemy will make sure that you continue to find discouragement due to those sins. Boy, I tell you, it's always a highlight in our life to know that our hands are clean and our heart is pure and the Holy Spirit is directing our steps. If the enemy can make sure and keep you discouraged, he can keep you from being fruitful. A, a, an unfruitful husband, an unfruitful dad, an unfaithful person in your job. He can cause you to be an unfaithful in many areas of your life he can, if he can just keep you discouraged. I'm talking to the Christian world today, and if you're not a Christian, I want you to know being a Christian doesn't dissolve everything we're gonna, that we've done as, as sinners. It just means God's here to help us. He wants to lift that load. He wants to take that sinful load from us so we can mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary. We need to get rid of all of our sins. Can I just say this morning, it's time that we have a good house cleaning. Our daughter came to our house yesterday and due to Sherry's uh, challenges, she, she hadn't been able to keep house for, for several days. 
and Paula came in and she got began to throw things away and she began to clean the house. And last night about 10.30, we sat down to eat a sandwich and it was so awesome just to have the clean fragrance in the home that we live. Listen, not only do we live in a physical home, we've got a spiritual house that we're responsible to. And every now and then I have to find myself at an altar and say, Lord, I just want you to clean my house today. I want to lay aside the weight to sin that easily besets me because age doesn't ma matter when it comes to running the race with God. What matters most is the condition of your heart. When we get rid of the load of sin, it's not helping us run the way race. Somebody asked us before we win the big race, do you want a big piece of cherry pie? I love cherry pie, but I can tell you if I was running a race physically, I wouldn't eat that cherry pie, that piece of cherry pie until the race was over. And then instead of one piece, I'd just eat the whole pie. It's a race that we run. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us that there's our, there are things that will help us and encourage us as we run the race here on this earth. The, the second chapter, of, uh, the second verse of Hebrews chapter 12 says, fixing your eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer, pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before us, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and today he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Have you ever asked yourself this question? I wonder if Jesus thought about quitting on his journey to the cross. I wonder if he ever entertained the thought, is this really going to be worth it? I often wonder, Lord, how discouraged would it be to know that you came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost, but not everybody's saved. Not everybody's listening to the voice of God. Not everybody's taking time to make sure their heart is right with you. But listen, Jesus didn't focus himself, his, his spiritual eyes, on people. He focused it on the goal. His heavenly Father sent him with, to the race with a purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And listen, the only way we're going to win is keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not on circumstances, not on things that are happening, not on politics. We have all of these arenas that have their big failures. But if we're going to run the, the, the race and keep joy in our life and keep strength flowing through our spirit, we've got to stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're so good because there's more literal translation to this verse. It's an interesting correction that's going to help us today. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It's not my faith that gets me there. The Bible says to every man, God has dealt a measure of faith. I've heard Christians talk to other Christians, and, and I'm sure it was meant for encouragement when they said, well, you just don't have enough faith. Listen, listen to me closely. God has, he is so fair and he's so just. He says, I've dealt to every man the measure of faith. He didn't give me any more than he gave you. He didn't give you any less than he gave your neighbor. He gave us a measure of faith. And listen, your faith can grow, but it's our responsibility. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not my faith. It's the faith that he, he deposits in my life that causes me to become what he wants me to be. I keep my eyes focused on, on 
of the Lord Jesus Christ because not only is he the author of my faith, he's the finisher of my faith. And when the job is done and completed and it's done, done in order and I see great fruits, he gets all the praise for it because I used his faith to get me across the finish line. And he's so faithful and just because he doesn't want us to be counted as losers. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. As we run this race, uh, look, at, look at, at this closely. Jesus is not only the pioneer and the perfecter, he's the author, the finisher. Most of us probably remember this version before, but he's our example. And we always love to have good examples. We always like to be good examples, even though we have all had some shortcomings. But the way we do this, what makes a perfect faith look like, just look at Jesus. He's the only perfect example. No matter how hard we try, we'll never be perfect. But Jesus is our perfect example. That's the reason we keep on keeping on because he, he, he fought the fight. He stayed on course and he finished the course and he's, he's sitting with the Heavenly Father today because he kept his focus on the one that gave him strength. As we look at Abraham, David, Abraham, Moses, heroes of faith, our absolute hero of faith is Jesus Christ. And if you want to copy faith, do what Jesus done. Act like Jesus. To be like Jesus. We have a song that we sing. To be like Jesus. That's all I ask for. I want to be more like you and less like Orville White. So as we're running the, the, the race today, keeping our eyes upon Jesus, focusing on him, then some of our eyes sometimes begin to wander. Sometimes we, we get so entangled with things in life. We didn't intend to get entangled. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's activities. And we get entangled. And, and many times it, it keeps us from doing a good job running the race. Sometimes it's beyond our control. The things that happen, we just have to deal with them. But I was thinking about an illustration that I read not long ago. A few years ago, a Washington State racehorse named Touch of Gener Generator was minding his own business when a nearby electrical transform exploded. A transformer exploded and caused the power line to fall. Touch got entangled in the live wire and his life was threatened. When firefighters arrived, he amazingly stayed still. He stood still until they managed to cut the power off and cut the wire away from his legs. Thankfully, the animal got up and recovered completely. The firefighter said, Touch of Generator really lived up to his name. We never know when some situation is going to erupt, shocking us or entangling us with the dangerous things of life or unsearchable circumstances. The English term circumstances come from the Latin word having to do with encircling or surrounding something. We get circled or circumnavigation or even the word circus from the same word since the actor performed inside a ring. Circumstances then are the situation and encircles our lives and sometimes they entangle us like electrical wires. Guess what? Jesus is a power source where we become entangled in areas where we don't seem to be able to get untangled with. The Lord knows where the power switch is. He knows how to take the danger away, away from us. And the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear the Lord. So today, 
Faith is a very hard term to define. For many, I love the definition given here in Hebrews, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. That's really what faith is. Faith has to have an object. Many people try to have faith in, in faith. A sacred cow, a disclosure, uh, a, maybe the, a tip that's been received. Faith doesn't have power. Jesus is a power. What makes faith powerful is the object you put your faith in and fixing your eyes on Jesus and keeping your eyes on him. That's not the only posture of faith, but it's a procedure that allows faith to grow. And as we gaze at Jesus and we meditate upon his word, our eyes are occupied on him. When I think about how great Jesus really is, how awesome his plan is, how he builds a kingdom by just taking people, simple people, like you and I, and builds a family. And not only he builds a family, but he builds soldiers that will go before the family and God. Fight the good fight of faith like our forefathers have done, simply through the word of God. What does God's word say about Jesus as we close today? I'm focused on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So what does the enemy use to try to get us not to live by faith? Number one, he loves to use your circumstances to distract you from trust, trusting the Lord. Just like Peter. You remember the disciples were out on the sea one evening and they saw what they thought was a ghost and, and as it got closer, Peter said, Lord, is that you? And, and, uh, and Jesus, as he got closer, he recognized it was Jesus. He said, Jesus, if that's you, let me walk on the water. And Jesus says, come. Peter bails out of the boat. He keeps his eyes on Jesus. Everything's going good till he looks at the waves and the winds that are blowing. And when he got distracted, he began to sink. Can I say this this morning? I've never walked on water, but I've, I've walked on thin ice before. But I, I kept my eye on one thing. I said, Lord, if you'll just help me out of this mess, I'll promise you I'll never do this again. So it, it, we always know in those times that the enemy is always there saying, you're not going to make it. You're, you, you're, you're a Christian, maybe a Christian, but you're not going to make it. I've saw many things happen only through the grace of God in as well as out of church. So the enemy tries to not allow your faith to work. He'll do it with discouragement. He'll do it with, with defeat. And just ask Peter how it works. If he's here today, he, he could give us a good lesson. In fact, he could preach this better than me. Take a moment today and examine the people around you. Take a moment today and watch the way that your best friend lives, where they go on Sunday. Take a look at their life. See how they're handling the challenges of life. And those that are handling the challenges of life will be facing Uncertainty just like you face them. But there's a secret. When you're doing things right, when you're teaching students, fixing computers, planting wheat, raising cattle, seeing patients or clients, fixing cars or cutting hair or building structures. But as you do what you do, the gaze of your soul has to constantly keep readjusting and refocusing back on Jesus. Jesus, you're my life. You're my savior. You're my strength today. Your promises are strong to me. You're my power. You're my patience. You're my provision. You're my protector. Lord, in simple words, you're my everything. 
in the steady gaze of your soul upon Jesus. That's what walking by faith really means from that will coming to rest on his promises, knowing his greatness, knowing to take time just to thank you, Jesus, to praise him for his goodness and his mercy. It's awesome just to say, Lord, I can never express the thanks that I have for you, but thanks for counting me to be worthy of your family. I ask this question, how are you running the race? As we face some issues that we know not the answer. Just how crazy is your world today that you're living in? What are you really thinking? What is your soul focusing on today? Is it somebody stronger than you? Is it the boss that you don't have, you're uncertain as to whether he's going to retain you and keep your job? How about those sleepless nights when it seems like that fella just doesn't fit no matter which way you turn it? How are those worrisome weekdays and those weekends? How are those family fights and those uneasy seasons that we all deal with? How is it working for you today? Are you casting it all on Jesus? Are you saying, Lord, I'm not here to fight this battle. I want you to fight it for me, and I know you've never lost a battle. I want to depend upon you for me to stay forward, Lord, because I want to finish the race, and I can't do it without your assistance. Not only are you a good coach, but you're my best friend. When I need to make some adjustments in order to win, you whisper in my ear without, without embarrassing me in front of other people. Just make this adjustment. Just a little. You're doing good. You're going to cross the finish line and victory will overwhelm you. But then there are times when we focus on our own shortcomings. The real trick of the enemy is when you begin to focus on your failures. I just don't measure up. I've heard this. I've heard this many times leaving the church in the past 40 plus years. If I couldn't do a better job of preaching than you do, I'd go home and I'd never show my face again. Doesn't matter what your calling may be. I can assure you the enemy's got you in the crosshairs of his, of his weapons. And he wants to take you out. He wants to show the community. He wants to show your friends that you're not made out of good stuff. And this stuff about Jesus really doesn't work. And all the time you're processing, Lord, I don't know how this is going to come out. But I know you're a present help in time of need and I'm going to let you carry the load so I can cross the finish line with your assistance. On the other thing, the enemy will do what he, he, he can during your walk by faith. Not only with discouragement, but with defeat. He'll put people in your pathway sometimes that uh, want you to alter your course maybe on Sundays to do things that you normally don't do. Go places you normally don't do. He'll, he'll get you just to do anything to weaken your stance with the Lord. He'll help you be discouraged. He'll put things in your road because he always knows the weakest link of our life. He's heard us tell it to our friends. He's heard us tell it to our companions. One more thing the enemy will do, he would love to have you focused on your blessings. We many times refer to that as getting the big head. Listen, don't look at your blessings because your blessings will throw you off course. Spurgeon once said, I was looking at Jesus and the peace of God came on me like a dove and rested on me. And then I took my eyes off of Jesus to look at the dove and, it ex and to examine it and it flew away. Isn't that true with our life? We examine our blessings. We examine when we make it. 
make a good step in life, when we do financially, when our children grow up and they do good and and sometimes just everything we touch is, works. And then it isn't long until we begin to examine our blessings instead of looking to our source, who's the author, the finisher of our fame, of our faith. Sometimes we look at our bank account, we look at our calling. We have to get our mind off of our blessing to stay focused on the one who gave us a peace when we begin to look at other things. And when we begin to ponder on finances, when we begin to ponder on security or insecurity, we're not going to live consumed by the blessings of the Lord. They're always rich and they add no sorrow, but you've got to be the one that stays focused. Be simple like a child. God will do only what you allow him to do. He'll only take the part of your life that you will allow him to have but he'll do wonders if you'll give him and serve him with your whole heart. Let's do some eye surgery today. Let's get our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's start focusing more on the principles that God has laid before us. We know right from wrong. If we forget, just go open God's word. He explains it in childlike English so that we can all understand what's right and what's wrong. When we look at the journey of life, many times we take inventory of who we are, of what we're doing, and the things that are causing us to do good and the hindrances that are causing us to do not quite so good. Isaiah chapter 43 says, don't let your heart be filled with fear. Jesus, or God's word gives us his promise. When you walk through the water, I'm going to be with you. When you when the water gets deeper than you can handle, it will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. The reason Jesus lays his principles before us is because he's our friend. He sticks closer than a brother. He knows what we're going to what we're going to face even before we get there. And the thing that I've learned in the ministry in the years that I ministry. In 1965, I, I worked for a firm to help feed my family. The church that we were pastoring was very, very small. We had, it was a good Sunday when we had 12, and six was not discouraging. I worked Monday through Friday, and during the course of life, I was privileged to do something I always wanted to do. It was a dream in my early days of childhood. I always wanted to be able to fly an airplane. And this company one day had a meeting. They said, we, we want to keep you on. and We know you pastor church. We're, we're going to pay for your flying license so you can be home at night if you'll stay with us. And my heart leaped beyond what I could even control. I was so happy. I didn't dance in the office that day, but I left there flying high spiritually. And as I traveled and it became like starting a car every morning. The weather was good. I was in the air Monday through Friday going to different stores that I was responsible for supervising. I'll never forget one morning I got in the plane and I left the airport. I was discouraged. Things hadn't went the best on Sunday. The sermon seemed to fall on deaf ears. And things just, just didn't happen the way that I thought it would happen. And as I heard the hum of that airplane, as I began to 
gain gain height. The, the higher I climbed, the smaller the things below me became. The Holy Spirit, who was seating, sitting in that right-hand side of me that morning, said, can I talk to you? Have you noticed the higher you climb, the smaller the things of this world really seems? If you will take your responsibility in the ministry and stay close to me, the closer you stay to me, the smaller the things that you're going to encounter will become. I've never forgot that day. I've never forgot the illustration. I'll hold on to it the rest of my life. In closing this morning, where do you stand with the Lord? Some people in this world only know God by a swear word and others people know that he's the creator of everything. In the beginning, the heavens and the earth, Adam and Eve, he, he started with nothing and he built what we enjoy today. If you're not acquainted with Jesus, let me tell you where you'll find him this morning. You'll find him at your heart's door. And here's what he's doing. He's knocking on your heart's door this morning, waiting for an invitation. And if you'll open that door and, open, and invite Jesus in, just by simply saying, Lord, I need you in my life. I want you to come in and be the Lord of my life. I want to, I want to be able to refocus my life from this day forward. I want to look to somebody who's perfect, who loves me in my unlovable moments, who forgives me quickly when I ask. I want to know somebody who will take me places I could never go on my own so I could become a follower like you would be pleased in. And if that's you this morning and I'm not talking to you, I want to just lead you in a simple prayer. This will be the benediction for our sermon today. As your heads are bowed this morning and if you're a Christian, and maybe things aren't really going good with you. I want this to be an encouragement to you as we bow for prayer. You're an unsafe person. Repeat these words with me today. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. I realize I can't make it and finish the race without some help. I've been told you died on the cross for my sins. I've been told without the shedding of blood, there'd be no remission for sin. I want to ask you this morning, Jesus, would you come into my life and be my best friend? I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart today. You're the only one that would understand me. For not only forgive me, but Lord, create within me a clean heart. Let my hands be clean, my heart be pure. And from this day forward, Lord, I want you to give me the strength to have a testimony I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm on the right road. And with your help, Lord, I want to finish the, the, the race. I want to cross the finish line like the Apostle Paul did. He fought a good fight. He kept the faith. And he stayed on course. Friend, if you prayed that simple prayer today, not only has Jesus came into your life, He's written your name in the book of life. And when your time comes to graduate from this life, you'll go to heaven. You'll be with heaven and heaven with him through eternity. And until that time comes, you'll be a witness. Your life will be a witness because Jesus Christ not only changed you on the inside, he's going to help you change you on the outside. God bless you. What a joy it is today on this beautiful Lord's Day to say, God bless. May the blessings of the Lord follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.